0: Yeah, this is a vibes episode, and that's fine. Like, I think it feels appropriate because, end of the season, you know, no reason to be overly.
1: I mean, we're more insightful than, like, half the fuckers on Sky Sports, so.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey everyone, it's Hardcore Football, an intense look at the world's game from two passionate Americans. I'm your host, Phil Baki. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, uh, it is the end of the season.
1: Crazy, right?
0: Season two is, like, almost in the books here.
1: I know, and I, I do feel like we were less prolific this season, so it'll be much like the uh, Golden Boot winner that i predicted (laughs) that was our form but that's okay (laughs) actually we were we were probably a bit more productive than he was but uh, yeah (laughs) no uh it's crazy it's absolutely crazy how fast it went like my god the champions league finals this weekend like i know um yeah
0: insanity um for a number of reasons give i mean mostly mostly the fact that all of these leagues that we're about to talk about are back in, like, the first week of August, so... <laughs> right, they're,
1: try- they're trying to kill the players. Like The
0: off-season is non-existent, Uh Nations League is somehow going ahead when there's a freaking World Cup later this year, so, um, you know whatever it is what it is um yeah for those finding us for the first time this is hardcore football um you can find the podcast on all the major podcast platforms and if those uh platforms like allow you to rate and review that would be really cool if you dropped a review if you enjoy what you hear um and uh you can find us on socials at hxc football um we also have a playlist, which we'll talk about at the end of the show called Sounds of the Season, um, and you can get Season 1 and Season 2 um, on Spotify. You can follow along with those playlists where we drop some alternative music, add a couple of tracks each week, um, so some pretty cool stuff. But this episode, obviously, we are... I mean, you mentioned it before we start recording. It, this is a bit of a vibes episode, but... We're gonna revisit some of the predictions we made at the beginning of the season, particularly around the Premier League, um, and you know, talk a little bit about the end of the end of things um, with the Premier League. We're gonna talk about the end of the Serie A season, the other exciting title race run in um, in Europe. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Germany and France, and kind of who can push the perennial champions and then uh we got a couple of questions and we'll also preview this weekend's champions league final so tons to get to here um i guess i mean it's worth probably just diving into the predictions we made about the premier league at the beginning of the season
1: yeah, some, some were spot on, some were downright embarrassing, mostly from me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we both agreed that the title winners would be Man City, and I think you actually, you probably predicted that through gritted teeth, am I right? Cause the <laughs> last day of the season was absolutely crazy. There was a window of time where it felt like Liverpool maybe could, could do it. But we were both right, ultimately, in the end, Manchester City win their fourth premier league title in five years
0: yeah yeah um definitely made the prediction through gritted teeth and i think if i go back and listen saturday could prove me fully right because i think i may have dropped a nugget in there about you i said think that city you guys
1: would win the champions league
0: yeah so i i said like city will win the league and liverpool will win the champions league which if that's true then I will be a very happy man. <laughs> um but no this I I think I think the thing that was shocking about this about this season we both picked city to win and I think at a certain point of the season we would have said like yep running away with it like standard city's going to walk the title and it kind of became I mean we were talking about it as it was as it was going on and there were a few times where you were like hey like i get that the narrative is like that liverpool are reeling city in here but like let's be real the city team is just gonna kind of like see it out and it got it got weirdly close and i don't think you were even wrong for thinking that about the city team they they came awfully close to what would have been, I mean, a lot of people were making a lot of different excuses, but this would have been one of the, like, worst bottle jobs, like, in Premier League history.
1: No, yeah, definitely, and and there was a point in the season where I was like, there's no title race, like, what are we even talking about? So, <laughs> the fact that Liverpool closed the gap is absolutely amazing, and, you know, this is not a, a unique take, but it bears repeating that the fact that Liverpool got what, 98 points and still didn't, is it 98, 92,
0: 92. Yeah. Yeah. They
1: got, I was thinking of city having, having scored 99 goals, but yeah, ni- the fact that <laughs> Liverpool got 92 points and didn't win the league is yeah. asinine. Like wh- what, has the Premier league become? Honestly, like it's, 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 it, it gives me a lot of existential dread when I think about it cuz it's like if City didn't exist Liverpool, Liverpool would be walking the league and then the question becomes well is that good? And right. well, maybe not cuz I think these two clubs actually do push each other to like absolutely stratospheric levels. Yeah. Um I don't think Liverpool would perform like this without Man City and vice versa. Yeah. Um I really do think that they they push each other to heights we've not seen ever ever (laughs) yeah um and so the fact that liverpool have pushed them this close twice really uh in the league is is absolutely insane the fact that they haven't won it is even more so um which just shows you the the power that that Manchester City have um you know in terms of finance and 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 having a world-class coach to to be fair yeah you still have to extract performances out of out of world-class players um and make a team out of it uh cough Manchester united um so yeah yeah it's just it's madness and i think liverpool should you know they didn't win the league but they should be very proud of of the performance that that the players put on throughout the season to, to even take it that close
0: it's a it is a crazy thing where liverpool are now the uh there are only two two teams in uh the history of the 38 game season that have gotten above 90 points and not won the league and it's li- it's two liverpool teams in the last yeah. 5 years um right. so so yeah it this is truly like nothing that anyone has ever seen before and the fact that liverpool lose two premier league games and don't win the title is insanity like that's I mean
1: you have you have to be perfect essentially Yeah,
0: yeah I heard on a which... <laughs> I heard somewhere they were like city and liverpool have made the premier league a cup competition somehow <laughs> Because you can't lose, like you, you just you can't slip up. Like you have to it's be a perfect, practically. Game knockout. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Single elimination.
0: Oh my goodness! It yeah, feels well, insane, it's, but yeah. It's a cup
1: competition between the two of them, and a farmers league for the rest of us.
0: Well, and I guess.
1: I'm joking, kind of I mean
0: that's the thing is like there's so many good teams in this league that are made to look like bang average because of the heights that those team that those teams are hitting like the rest of these teams are not are not bad teams. There's a reason that you know the likes of Tuchel and conte and and you know like are plying their trade in this league, and they're miles off winning the league like they're not yeah. even in the conversation um yeah. and yeah. yeah so it is it is a, a wild state of affairs at the top of the league i think i think though i mean you we mention there is an element of and i mean maybe it's worth even talking a little bit about but there's a lot of stick in english media for the you know quote unquote farmers leagues or the The leagues where oh one team walks it you know when it was Serie A and then Juve won you know 10 in a row and then now Bayern's won 10 or nine in a row I guess for Juve 10 in a row for Bayern Um, PSG obviously Lille you know pipped them to it last year but aside from that they've been you know totally dominant and it's often a stick that's used to
1: Monaco but yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, true. True. Yeah. So maybe France is actually not a great example recently. Like, I mean, this year it was, but, um, yeah. But there, it's so often a stick that's used to like beat these other leagues with. And the reality is that, like, as you said, were it not for Liverpool, this would be, this would be City's fifth straight title. And like, and it wouldn't have been particularly close any of the times. I mean, basically, someone posted the stat that Liverpool are the only thing like keeping this close. They would have won the league this year by nineteen. Um, that was the gap from right, Chelsea. Yeah. So, which is know.
1: which is like why I say like is that also problematic, right? right. Like that Liverpool are so far away. <laughs> obviously not if you're a Liverpool fan but I'm just saying like in sure. an, an alternate reality where City don't exist if Liverpool I, I question whether Liverpool would it would reach those heights because there wouldn't be another team really forcing them to but just theoretically like any club winning the league by 19 points like is that not a quote farmers league yeah <laughs> um so yeah. yeah no you make a you make a a good point there that it's it's the Premier League is not immune to this um, kind of dominance it's you know the money talks so. <laughs> but I mean congratulations to, to City I guess and, yeah. and their fans I mean obviously it's you still have to go out and win it at the end of the day uh, and it is a very tough competition to win it's a grueling season uh, and they've fought on all fronts granted not not nearly to the level that Liverpool have. They've played Liverpool have played every or will play every possible game that they could have this season, yeah. which is absolutely insane. So, um, but yeah, congratulations to the the citizens out there yeah. who are I think so. Yeah, it's
0: a uh, it sparked a couple of interesting conversations, which I'll spare from the podcast. But I think like this, you know, once what happened in the in the cup competitions what happened in the Champions League this was a must win and for a few for about 75 minutes on on last Sunday I I started to think that oh my god like maybe maybe this is actually not City's year where they're just like for some reason not getting things over the line but I think yeah that that surge on the final day like was you know Allegiances aside like that was just an impressive the fact that in eight minutes they turned it around like that is that is crazy and that takes like a wild amount of of character and and fight back because yeah they asked Jack Grealish at the end of the game and he was like well yeah I mean I thought it was over so at 2-0 like he crazy. And he, they paid 100 like that's the mentality of a guy who is like at the top level of the game he was like yeah I thought it was done so um which like maybe that belies some of the deficiencies of Jack Grealish, but I don't. Know. I was gonna say like, does he become
1: the main character recently when he like is certainly not on the pitch?
0: In <laughs> yeah.
1: Way, but uh, that's yeah that that's a good point. Wow.
0: But yeah, what a I mean, it was a crazy fight back, and I thought yeah, for there was a few crazy minutes where I thought maybe I allowed myself to believe at at two nil, like oh my, you know it's going to be the narratives were all over the place too of, you know, Coutinho scoring the second and all this stuff. Like there were so much, you know, Stevie, obviously like that whole thing. So the narratives were there, but unfortunately city city dashed the narratives upon the rocks. I do think the one, the one thing that allowed me to get emotional. Cause I think I was pretty honestly like going into that. I started to get a little nervous in terms of like, are Liverpool going to do their job? like, Keep up their end of the bargain and beat Wolves because when they went behind, I'm like, oh my god, if if like we drop points and the city drop points, that will be that will be a bottle job. Like, <laughs> like if we don't yeah. win and they and they lo- you know, lose or or don't win yeah. and we fail to capitalize, like that's awful. Um, yeah, but the only thing that I actually got intense about was because you know experiencing the final day like through the lens of the players where it's like they have no access to what's going on in the other games aside from every single person in the stadium is reacting to what's happening in the other game so like <laughs> the first goal goes in against villa and there's a huge roar around the stadium and obviously that's not it didn't have anything to do with what was going on on the field and So there's a very confusing moment when obviously the second big roar is when Coutinho's goal goes in and it's only, you know, it was like the 75th minute. So, or 68th, 68th minute or something like that. They, they hear that, but then there's not going to be an equally vociferous like groan when City get there first or anything like that. So, the thing that got me upset and the thing that actually I allowed to like hit me was when Sala scored the go-ahead goal against wolves, he wheels away. He doesn't often do big celebrations, especially recently. Like he just, he really like it's hugs, you know, and it's not a lot of like intense emotion when he scores a goal. Um, And he wheels away and he is like sprinting to the corner flag, like jumping, punching the air, like the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, no, like he thinks that that goal just won them the Premier League. And that that hurt me like that really hurt me because I'm like them having to come down from like, wait, what? They came back like that. That sucks.
1: That does suck, yeah. And they're probably not experiencing it. I mean, there's like lag too of like learning that. Yeah. Because you're literally trying to play a professional football match at yeah. the same <laughs> time and worry about your own problems. Exactly. But the other thing too that was like I imagine brutal is a rumor spreading that villa equalized, which is like so fucked
0: up. Like r- there was like a fake cheer. Uh, in like terrible. on like the eighty fifth minute or something like that, there was like this random cheer. And you could hear like the, the commentators were confused, like everybody was like, Wait, is something happening? Like, do we not know?
1: Terrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible. Whoever started that. Yeah. No, oh, that's man. that's foul. It was a it was a fascinating final day though. Like yeah. so much drama. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ilkai Gundawin just continues to be clutched up. Yeah. Yeah important even when he's not the most important player of the season he was the most important player of the season like at the end of you know at the at the yeah. business end
1: yeah 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 Ugh,
0: crazy um we did have predictions at the other end of the table though and this obviously there was a lot of drama around the relegation the relegation battle also maybe not for a couple of teams and I mean I did I did actually predict and I I will give myself this this pat on the back but Norwich and Watford comfortably relegated not a lot of not a lot of drama there you had Norwich going down as well
1: I did yes Uh, but that's where I went off the rails with my I still remember yeah so Norwich terrible like just too good for the championship not good enough for the Premier League I think they their squad's just not good enough and Daniel Farka like I don't know they just cannot translate how they play in the championship to the Premier League it seems the last two times that they've come up um, Watford like they I just feel like Watford lost a lot of the things that made them good in the championship <laughs> like yeah. be good at home like they were absolutely atrocious at Vicarage Road this season, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's right that they they got battered at home quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and just you know, just not good enough. And Roy Hodgson could not give a rat's ass. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> at the end of the day, like the way that he uh, was it. It was the final day when they played Crystal Palace, or. I
0: uh remember. yeah, I, yeah I think so. Wait who?
1: Well, well basically when he was like. Applauding the Chelsea. Palace fans?
0: Chelsea.
1: Okay, okay. On there the was final a game day. there was a game that they played against Palace or something where he was like applauding the Palace fans and couldn't <laughs> be bothered to like go over maybe it was their last home game or something, but they couldn't be bothered to go over to Wat he couldn't be bothered to go over to the Watford fans and it's just like that's that's not good. Yeah. Um
0: but uh <laughs> like this man's clearly invested in what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. They just it's, Watford like for whatever reason they just cannot help themselves when they get like when they get that inkling of like we should fire our manager they just immediately act they just like they had what four managers this season
1: so they let's see they started with was it Chisco munoz shishko yeah i think someone was even before him i don't know um claudio yep and yeti of course hodgson
0: so maybe three Uh, yeah but still like when you're talking about you know a game or you know 10 games and change like average tenure over the course of a 38 game season
1: (laughs) terrible yeah i I mean the plotso family you're right like they just are very trigger happy when it comes to so their managers, and, and in a way, like yes, Roy Roy is a professional, and you should probably like carry yourself a little bit better, have a little bit more respect for the club, or at least the air of some kind of respect for the club, even though you knew that you were off at the end of the season. But at the same time, like how how inviting can that club really be to managers? How do they sell themselves to a manager as a project? You know, like it's yeah. when it's such a revolving door, and you know that your heads on the block almost immediately. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's just bizarre. Watford are so bizarre. And I like Watford. Like, I think uh, I think that they're a really interesting club. I, I like their ground. I think Vicarage Road is really cool. It's nice to have a club that's like in the London area, but not London. Sure. Like, I don't know. I like Watford. Um, And the
0: Elton John connection. Like,
1: Elton John- <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, like they can't even escape you know, d- down to the championship without more manager drama and that they poached Rob Edwards from Forest Green Rovers and Forest Green were furious uh, with that. And it's like at the end of the day, you know, like I here I am saying, like, how do they sell themselves? And it's like, well, like that by being like, you know, in the championship with, with resources to maybe go up to the Premier League. Cause yeah. A team that's on the up but like four screen rovers still can't compete to keep their manager like it's yeah crazy so i
0: i feel like and this is probably a flawed metaphor but i i feel like the watford job is sort of akin to like and maybe because you said (laughs) that the chopping block but it's sort of akin to like marrying henry the eighth where it's like (laughs) it's like you get to be married to the king like you get to be the queen but if you don't deliver literally you're gonna die yeah like swiftly deep it's like you know so for (laughs) for rob edwards like he's a forest green he's like but maybe i can give them a son like <laughs> so
1: every Watford manager is the other 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 Berlin girl exactly <laughs> amazing Wow. amazing so we Uh-oh. got Norwich we got Watford you also picked Newcastle which didn't
0: yeah come to pass. I, so honestly I, I'm gonna defend this pick because we could not have foreseen what was gonna happen um mid-season like i did not know that they were going to get the infinite money cheat code (laughs) mid-season no and honestly the real the real like coup, i think and i think i have to give newcastle credit here like the real coup because i think they were going down before the takeover but the real change here is eddie howe and i think we were both kind of like is eddie howe that guy for this type of project and i don't know if he is the guy you know long long term is he the type of guy who's going to take newcastle into like the champions league or something like that yeah you know remains to be seen but was he the guy to stabilize the club post takeover i think he's proven that like yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but i
1: think we did say that like if there's anyone who's deserving of like some money to spend it's him because sure he was on a, a- Shoestring budget at Bournemouth and did am- amazingly. Yeah, so, yeah,
0: yeah. So I will give I will give Eddie Howe a ton of credit. Uh, the the Joe Linton like reinvention as a midfielder. Um, he's literally revived <laughs> his Newcastle career. It was you know he was hooked up to an AED like his career was was on life support <laughs> and he somehow brought it back um and yeah they've been i you know they've they picked up i want to say the only team who gained more points since eddie howe's appointment was liverpool in the premier league i think that's about right Then it's them, yeah yeah like newcastle was genuinely better than city <laughs> in in terms of points gained um over eddie howe's tenure then yeah that is, so so, yeah, I mean, they are they are a dangerous prospect and that they haven't truly begun to spend yet. They're very much in like the beginning stages of this project.
1: Yeah. And they were very, very clever in the January transfer window, to be honest, because they they went out and they did spend. They got a lot of people through the door, but they weren't ridiculous. Like, yeah, they got Kieran Trippier really good signing like he, you know he goes down with injury but still great signing and and a, a statement of intent that you can attract that kind of a player a uh, england international and a uh, defending league champion from atletico madrid mid-season like yeah. not bad dan burn smart signing uh bruno guimaraes like a champions league level midfielder been of revelation yeah uh you know and that, that's just a handful but yeah they were very clever in the transfer window and that they they reinforced for the run-in but they weren't you know they weren't going for like stupid like number nines or something like that where the pla the price would have been super inflated so yeah yeah i guess credit to them i mean we can't overlook like where the money's coming from it's obviously not from a savory place but no you know, it is what it is
0: yeah i mean the title winners are you know of a similar sort of sort of vein um right and yeah that <laughs> that argument could go on forever, but, um, so for your, your predictions, you also had Norwich going down, but, but, uh, your other predictions, you went a little bit bolder and a little bit more like those teams who maybe haven't, uh, or well in Brentford's case, uh, choosing Brentford was, was probably more so around like, will their style translate? And I think maybe the takeaway here is like, They've done what Norwich could not.
1: Correct. Yeah. And also, I will kind of defend my pick, too, because I couldn't foresee them getting Christian Eriksen.
0: True. Transformative.
1: Transformative. Like, yeah. he, I mean, the guy can clearly still ball. I think Inter are probably looking at that, and they're sick because it wasn't Inter's fault that he couldn't play. Literally, the Italian FA was like, no, you cannot play with a pacemaker. Uh, yeah. So so i mean what a coup for brentford uh, and uh, and what a great story you know like amazing the guy literally died like (laughs) maybe not literally but like almost um and and so it's it's just amazing that he's still of a quality like this where he can help brentford and guide them to a comfortable mid-table finish when you know like we said we i i at least doubted whether that could be done um and um yeah, it's it's worked out for Brentford. So yeah, I, I defend it in that sense that maybe yeah. without Christian Erickson they might have been in that like lead Severton conversation maybe. Yeah. Um uh, towards the end. Brighton, like that that was a little I'll put the clown makeup on for this. The only reason that I worried about them is because they did not sign a striker. Yeah. Um, and so they ended up finding the goals from elsewhere. But also I just underestimated really just how good Graham Potter is. Yeah. Um. And to be fair, so did a lot of Brighton fans <laughs> because they were like heckling him for being eighth. Yeah. And he had to swiftly remind them mid-season, like, remember where you come from, type beat. So yeah. Yeah. Brighton was more of like an outside shout, but they finished ninth, and they are absolutely fine. Um. And You're... if they are, you are able to reinforce, then
0: yeah. We'll see. I I would say like I would I would go so far as to say like your pick is really isn't even that crazy because they did struggle to score goals they had 42 in 38 games like they they yeah. did not have a good goal scoring season
1: they were just good at not losing
0: yes they so. they drew 15 of their 38 games and Which so I there's
1: is tied for the most in the Premier league for yeah Dallas. i think crystal palace drew 15 as well so yeah
0: but like the key, I think, in their stability in mid-table was there's probably quite a few games out of that 15 that could have easily, on a different day, maybe not defend as well, whatever, turned to losses, and then all of a sudden you are in trouble. So, like, um, I really think that, like you said, Grand Potter has this team set up extremely well, and we saw, like, what they're capable of I mean, they thrash Manchester United towards the end of the season. Um, <laughs> the the likes of of um, you know Kukurea and um, Moises, like these these younger guys yeah. coming into the team being more influential. Yeah, Caicedo, Moises Caicedo, Mark Kukurea, like Trosar. Yeah, Trosar was was obviously. He, Kind of catching fire towards the end of the season. I think, and it feels like the same old story again, but I feel like this Brighton team is really just like a consistent goal scorer away from being truly in that like European conversation in a more, in a maybe a more serious way rather than a more, this is a very much a like, yeah, you're mid table, but it was by virtue of just balancing out you know uh how lackluster your goal scoring was by making your defense like pretty formidable cuz your team you had a lot of the ball all this stuff but yeah with with a half decent striker it just feels like this team would be capable of so much more
1: for sure they have a they have an attacker who's out on loan and his name completely escapes me but he has scored quite a few goals i'll i'll think of it at some point but maybe that's someone that they can look to it as a, a Undav, i think Denny's Undav at, at uh saint jillois who are like
0: going crazy
1: going nuts in the belgian league i think that's him i don't know maybe it's not i don't know uh but anyway shout out shout out central well anyway <laughs> But, uh, yeah, maybe they can find an internal solution um, or they'll just have to spend a little bit uh, and and get somebody in because I think they wanted Eddie and Ketia, but it looks like he's going to stay at Arsenal um, for better or for worse. Uh, (laughs) And uh, we'll have to see. Um, I don't know if it was was somebody else. I'll think of it. I'll think of it.
0: There was final day relegation drama, though, and, I mean, I would be remiss – if i didn't take a little bit of time to revel in the fact that mika we're finally we're free
1: (laughs) i was like wait where is this going
0: burnley football club they're down back to the championship uh after a a overly long stay in the Premier League, obviously it's a little less satisfying because Sean Dyche was sacked prior to the relegation, um, but there was some final day drama in this because, and maybe it wasn't as dramatic as it might have been if Burnley had had done a you know done something against Newcastle, but for a little bit um, it was in the balance with Leeds, and Leeds and Jesse Marsh find a way to remain in the in the Premier League despite, you know, suspensions to to uh Dan James and uh and oh my god. Luke Ailing. Yeah Luke Ailing all of these things stacked against Leeds going with the managerial change from Bielsa and they find a way to survive and I think for a lot of neutrals, particularly American neutrals, there was a lot of uh, a lot of joy around around Leeds staying up.
1: Yeah, no, I I am happy that they've stayed up because I just think that this Leeds team has has more to offer and they're exciting. They're exciting to play. They're a big club, big Northern club, historic club, um, and I just I, we've talked about it before. We want Jesse Mars to have like an actual preseason and full. Season to really get his hooks into a team. Yeah, uh, and they've already made a big signing, making a big splash today, announcing Brendan Aronson on on 27 million pounds worth of transfer fee. So they're moving quickly. They're going to support their man. It looks like, and I'm excited to see what they can do because they've been handed this this lifeline. Um, because it was looking dodgy there. Like if, if they had gone down, I don't think anyone would have been surprised either. Uh, yeah. But Burnley's time is finally. <laughs> run out and I mean I would not be surprised if we don't see him back for a while because they've got some issues uh off the pitch as far as the leverage buyout that they went under and and all that debt and yeah certain debts being triggered by being relegated so um but by the way it was Undav. he has scored 25 goals and also notched 10 assists in 33 games in the u Pro League Wow, he, I believe he's on loan at sensual from Brighton. So
0: that's quite the return.
1: Perhaps an internal solution. That's <laughs> a goal every 116 minutes.
0: Yeah, no, that's <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, speaking of prolific scorers, our prediction for the Golden Boot. Um, I mean, do you want to just address address your uh your guess up front or? Fucking
1: yikes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we we had done like We checked in on our predictions in January. And yeah. It was a yikes then. So I'm not surprised that it has continued to be yikes. I predicted Romelu Lukaku just because he was coming off a fantastic season at Inter. Confidence was riding high. Finally ready to come back and, and prove, you know, why Chelsea were wrong to give up on him in the first place. You know, all those years ago. Yep disaster disaster (laughs) (laughs) he's start. I mean you know he's he's been better Uh, he was better towards the end of the season but still like for nearly 100 million pounds like you are expecting a lot more than he provided and not to mention that like if you're not going to score at least keep your mouth shut and he was a distraction off the pitch uh, at least once or twice of course with that infamous interview that he did to I think it was Sky Italia or or Mm -hmm. whoever I don't know like all these things happened this season but they feel like years ago um yeah so it's been a really torrid time for Romelu Lukaku at Chelsea and I I I don't know that he is the right striker for them if they're going to stick with Thomas Tuchel but at the same time like there's just so much up in the air at Chelsea right now that he's just one of many question marks I think
0: I I mean do you see him like sticking around like even it feels like with new ownership coming in they could almost say like yeah we'll just let him go for whatever because like it wasn't our money so like maybe it's less embarrassing to let him go even though he was you know the most expensive player in Chelsea history
1: I will say, yeah, that's that's a good point. I will say as far as like saving face, like I don't know that they'd care too much, but I'm sure they would want to get something for him. He's still an elite player at the end of the day, but yeah. just in a really terrible patch of form um, overall, overall the whole season. Obviously, he like I said, he started to get a little bit better, but um, maybe um, it's just like who's who can afford him now? You know, the market's still pretty depressed. I mean, he says yeah. he wants to go back to – to Italy, apparently, um, but I think Inter have probably Inter will have to cut costs even more um than they did last season. I I was I think I was listening to Serie A Chronicles talking about they want to do 15% less, like a reduction of wages. So while <sighs> still trying to go for the Scudetto and 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 really give Inzaki like a support. I I don't know how accurate that is, but uh, interesting. I heard recently. I don't think Milan would be interested in him. Like their project is not him. Napoli can't afford it. Uh I don't know. Roma probably not. Like Jose Mourinho no. and him, like not really I don't know that they're a match necessarily. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. And I don't think any of the big Spanish clubs are interested and certainly not Bayern, I don't think. I I mean, I don't know. Bayern are losing Lewandowski could they would Luk- would Lukaku go there I don't know he'd probably bully the Bundesliga to be fair but that I don't know that's just bizarre to think about
0: him and Lewandowski like are actually kind of similar strikers in my mind like because mm. Lukaku gets kind of like pigeonholed as a as like a physical striker but he's not he's not really like he's
2: No, he's actually like a runner. (laughs) Yeah. He's
0: like, that's not really his style. He's definitely not like a target man. And I think Lewandowski, similarly, is like, he's a tall guy, but he's not like a go stand on the penalty spot number nine. Like, he likes to receive the ball with, you know, with his back to goal and turn and a lot of like placed shots, a lot of, you know, a lot of like interchange, all that sort of stuff. It's not so. I don't know. I mean, it's not a terrible, it's not a terrible shot. Although I think Bayern would probably be a little bit put off by the off the field stuff. I And I think that's, yeah. that's going to be the big thing is like any team that takes him basically aside from inter, like, unless he goes back to essentially the same situation, it's like, is he going to the second that he's like upset because of where he's playing or the, what the manager's asking him to do or whatever? Like, is he then going to go to the press and cause a big scene? Cause he didn't hesitate like two yeah. months into his, to his time with Chelsea. He just like blew the whole thing up. So, um, yeah. so yeah. yeah.
1: Well, you fared better the golden boot conversation and the predictions
0: i did i did um yeah i had mo Sala, but i it was one of those things where i'm like well i'm picking city to win the league so i should probably but it it did feel like mo was well i mean honestly smart money over the last few years has been like mo Sala winning the golden boot because i mean what he's won it or shared it like of the five seasons he's been at Liverpool, he's won the golden boot three of the five seasons. So, like, yeah, um, yeah, and he shared it twice or whatever, like the one with Mane and Obama Yang, and then he, you know, his first season, he broke the record for goals in a Premier League season. Like, um, so... Yeah. The guy is is crazy, and I think what's really, really interesting about the season is that I think if he was in this sort of form and the afcon didn't happen the way that it did, I think we're talking about like potentially one of the like I think maybe he breaks his own record yeah, afcon he, like he, he did look jaded after that and
1: very sullen, which you can totally understand,
0: yeah. Like, AFCON really affected him, um, whereas his strike partner, you know, for many years, Sadio Mane, came back from AFCON and looked a changed man. It was, like, almost, you know, Space Jam levels of talent, like, theft. It was like <laughs> Mane, Mane came back, and it seemed as if, you know, the the finishing touch, which had eluded him, suddenly became, you know, his his thing again, and... And Mo couldn't couldn't buy a goal. The crazy thing, though, about Mo is that he finishes with twenty three goals, um, level with with Sun uh, Young Min um, twenty three. But Mo Salah also wins the playmaker award because he had thirteen assists. So I mean, the guy's insane. He had thirty six goal goal contributions in a thirty eight game season. So and he missed. A, a month with with AFCON
1: yeah that's nuts what a season for him I mean just a superstar clearly and he's fired up for what we get onto in part two of the Champions League looking for revenge as as he put it <laughs> or a score to settle if you will so yeah uh, yeah good shout phil at the end of the day and probably an easy one to be fair at this point with with mo's body of work so yeah
0: well and definitely easy for me to make as a biased liverpool fan but luckily (laughs) mo mo keeps you know keeps uh rewarding our our faith in him so um yeah certainly hoping that he can that he can uh, get some revenge on Saturday, but we'll get on to that in a second. Um, so a little bit of a mixed bag from the PL predictions at the beginning of the season, but all in all, you know, the, the season itself was, was thrilling basically from start to finish, even though at points it did not look like it would be um, yeah. a title race that absolutely was thrilling from start to finish and was close seemingly the whole way. Serie A uh, and at the end of the day we talked I think we both were in agree uh, you know in agreement that Inter were the likely champions and they seemed to have the more metal maybe a little bit more of the of of the calm um and seeing out some of these tough results at the end of the season and AC Milan uh proved us wrong and in relatively calm fashion for the amount of pressure that was heaped on them um ac milan claim the scudetto and i mean this you you mentioned it but this is it feels significant uh for italian football that now we've had three unique title winners in the last three years
1: Oh it's massive like i I really don't think that this can be overstated how important it is that Juventus's hegemony has been interrupted at least for the time being. I hope yeah. it continues because i i just i want what's best for the league because city at one point was what the Premier League is right now is in terms of prestige and interest worldwide um and I think it deserves that i think there's there's a i think it's changing slowly because of the way that you know, with Inter winning and now Milan, people are beginning to to turn their heads back towards Serie A and see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. But there is this like stereotype, if you want to call it, of like you know, it's still got the nacho It's really not. If you if you want to see dull football, I hate to say it, but watch La Liga. Serie A is not dull. It's very exciting. There's a lot of foot, like a lot of goals, like pressing. Yeah, Just, it's very very exciting and like like you said a title race and it was thrilling basically to the to the very end I mean Napoli beefed it against Empoli <laughs> yeah <laughs> they were in it for a bit and that would have been the I think that would have been the most romantic winner to be fair to to send off Lorenzo Insigne before he goes to MLS and and what have you but uh um and I still do think that Inter have the best squad um, and I think that they'll be well well equipped to to fight again next season. I think Simone Inzaghi is a brilliant manager. Like he's he's built on what Antonio Conte has done. He didn't completely blow it up, and he's just so so good. But it was Milan's year, and and they were really I think more than the sum of their parts because this this Milan side is is young. Like I mean, it's a good mix, but it is young. Like they miss. Ibrahimovic for a lot of the season. They miss Simon Cair, a veteran in that, that heart of the defense. They've relied on guys like Tomori, Kalulu, um, Benacer, Rafael Leal, who yeah. is Sandro Tonali. Like, these are all really, really young players. Uh, but they fought until the very end, and they really fought for their manager, Stefano Pioli, who um, – You know, at one point they were talking about him being replaced by Ralph Ragnick, of all people. (laughs) Um, And that luckily, you know, Paolo Maldini, that he didn't allow that to happen. And Paolo Maldini, like, I'm all over the place here, but like, there's just so much to praise about Milan. I'm sorry, Inter fans listening to this. Just plug your ears for like a a hot minute. But (laughs) I mean, he, like, being an elite footballer does not mean you're going to be an elite football executive, but he's kind of not following that trend like he has been pretty much spot on in his recruitment yeah and it is amazing like Paolo maldini that guy the defender yeah <laughs> has built this milan squad um and of course he's had support you know from from even casitas and whoever else but it's just it's a great story like i i really i really am happy for milan and 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 uh, the rossanero fans because it's it's been over a decade last time they won it was 11 years ago um, yeah and so you know they, they've been a sleeping giant they've they've had their banter era and boy was it a banter era! like I remember when they had guys like Bertolacci and like Montalivo who no disrespect like he was a good servant to the club Giacomo yeah. Bonaventura, like guys like that yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah so um yeah they've just come such a long way and it's 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 really cool to see what they've done this season. They've played some really scintillating football too. So, um, yeah, and they uh, their record is nuts. They hadn't lost in in Serie a since January when they lost controversially to Spezia mm-hmm. when the referee made a big mistake in that game, not playing advantage. So yeah, you know, they haven't had it easy. Um, but they were able to see it out to the very end.
0: I think the last two games provided a little bit just in the goal scorers in their last two games a two no win against atalanta and then a three no win against sassuolo um milan had kind of a juxtaposition of the parts of their squad that have been you know so important for them in the game against atalanta it's rafael leao and teo hernandez teo hernandez scoring maybe one of the best goals like of the season um to to seal the win against atalanta um but then in the on the final day you know chips are down making sure that they see things out and it's olivier giroux and Franck Kessie. like it yeah. it's it you know it was not any you know one player necessarily who was like driving them on and as you said it was it was a squad like a total squad effort Um, and a number of contributors across, um, yeah, across the whole team who just made such a huge difference and whether it was kind of the, you know, these like young up and coming names or the, the, you know, the, these like exciting young talents or the old, you know, the old heads, like the veterans in the, in, in the locker room, um, they made what would have been, for any team navigating their end of the season, there would have been, okay, enter our breathing down our necks, like, basically yeah. any slip is potentially the title gone, and, uh, and they saw it out, like, relatively comfortably, which is such a credit to this squad and just, I mean, the organization, really, because we've seen you know better teams than Milan have slipped up like in these sorts of situations so for them to keep their nerve was was really impressive
1: yeah definitely definitely and you make an interesting point there about like the juxtaposition between like the those older more experienced heads and the, the younger players because the the match that I really believed that Milan could win the league was Milan Lazio um I think it was back in like the end of April where they were trailing one 0 for like almost an hour and then Giroud scores the equalizer yep. he scored so many important goals this season and then Tonali scores in the death like 90 something yeah. minute and you know Sandro Tonali a boy that grew up supporting Milan took a pay cut to stay at the club like you know people were calling him a flop after his first season because he just had time needed time to adjust from from Bercia and you know that's quite a leap from Brescia to to Milan, yeah. Uh, and the the pressure is immense, but he was fantastic this season. Um, yeah, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of like likable players in this Milan squad. Tomori too, like he's. I guess Garrett Southgate is seeing the light because I see that he's been called up for England. So praise to the Most High, <laughs> like <laughs> finally. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a, a great City season and Inter. Inter were great this season too. I mean, they won the Copa. Um, you know, they they both they and Milan took steps in the Champions League that I think were positive ones. Um, and, and yeah, so it'll be interesting next season to see with Juventus trying to retool. Maybe we'll have like a three or four way race. Hopefully,
0: yeah, I think uh, we. When you look at the final table, the you know the difference between you know it's a two point gap. Um, at the end of the season that, that Milan claim claimed the title over Inter. Inter were, you know, one win that turned into a draw, like away from they had comfortably the better goal difference. Um and if they finished level on points, they would have they would have won the title and it's simply those Whoa. were how like fine the margins were.
1: Oh, well maybe not though because in Serie A it's head to head and Milan won the derby.
0: Oh, it is head to head in Serie A. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So Oh, the, that's the, right. And so that's the, what I that's kind of what I love about it is that the derbies are like huge. Yeah. <laughs> like even more than than they already are, so Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned like who are some teams, you know, that could be in the conversation and I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't give a quick shout out to Jose Mourinho's Roma for their Europa Conference League win um, a competition that we you know sort of like wrote off as a meme a little bit earlier but seeing some of the well one seeing the teams that made the final and and having some just cool old school European you know cup football vibes like in that final was was very cool but the intensity with which Roma in particular and their fans approached this game and the seriousness that they attributed to winning this trophy almost made it more valid, Like I feel, in a lot of people's minds. And, and certainly for me, I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting them to care as much as they do. And it made me like the occasion and made me like the competition more as a result.
1: For sure, yeah. I mean, they had an open-top bus parade today. <laughs> like they are absolutely reveling in it, and as they should, because Roma are are a big club. They represent a big city, and they have perennially underachieved uh, in those circumstances, I suppose. And so, yeah. I mean, it's it's such an impressive and unique stats that Josie Mourinho has won the Champions League, the Europa League, and now this newfangled <laughs> Conference League, uh, which, by the way, the, the silverware is actually quite nice. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But, um, yeah, congratulations to them. That's obviously huge. And uh, Roma, another team with some likable pieces in there, like Tammy Abraham, Zaniolo, uh, Spinazzola, who, you know, heartbreakingly was injured for the Euros, but um, came back and played an important part for Roma as well. So congratulations to them.
0: We... Moved now. We had a couple of title races in Europe that obviously in in the past have been exciting to follow um and were less so this season, namely the Bundesliga and Liga Un this year. So I thought it might be fun to just like take a look. Obviously, we know that Bayern and, and PSG claim their respective titles. Um it maybe wasn't as dramatic as as uh what we may have liked, but I thought it might be an interesting thing to take a look at those close competitors of those teams or the closest competitors and just ask who might push, and we can start in Germany, but who might push Bayern in the league? Uh, Is there a team that sticks out as being a a real threat to Bayern next year?
1: I think it's always going to be Borussia Dortmund typically um yeah. i mean they obviously sacked makohoza who only lasted a season there it was supposed to be a match made in heaven but it was not so um they struggled at times and I, you know i think it was a little unfair not unfair but just unfortunate for him because he didn't have a lot of players at his disposal uh due to injuries and and what have you but it, you know needless to say the the results were not good enough in in cups and and the Champions League Europa League yep. who, who they get knocked out by Rangers <laughs> like um, yikes <laughs> so yeah uh, yeah so um, usually it would be Dortmund but I actually I'm gonna go a little different here and say that if anyone besides Dortmund could challenge um, it might be by Leverkusen and I say that because there, are well a couple reasons one, I'm a big Gerardo Salani stand. Like, I've talked about him before on this podcast. I think he's a very talented coach. Yeah. I think he plays really attractive football. Um, two, uh, they have an incredible squad of young players. I think people look to Dortmund to, to see all the flashy young toys, but they have a lot, too, and people, I think, overlook them. A little bit, uh, and number three, they have the third largest wage bill. So I mean, you know, again, like you can pretty clearly track people's progress by how much money they spend, and that's just, unfortunately that's how it is. So they they pay a pretty decent salary annually, or average uh, annual salary over at Bayer Leverkusen, and that's another reason why they're they're kind of hated <laughs> along with the Hoffenheim's and the Leipzigs of the world uh, because there's this. Um, feeling that they're not like an authentic club and and what have you so I will go Leverkusen and that's probably a a hot hot take and it's they're probably not gonna get close but uh we'll see
0: we've been let down by them in consecutive seasons now uh in that they were in the COVID year they were like truly challenging and then in their match against Bayern just threw it away, and then this and past then year, Yeah, this past year they kind of did the same thing <laughs> where they were they <laughs> were pushing, but I I think you bring up a really important point with the manager, and I think the thing that is going to hold Dortmund back, and I and this is not meant as Aiden Terzic uh, shade by any by any stretch of the <laughs> imagination, but. I think them having Leverkusen having the consistency and and building on what they've done this year by maintaining the manager and actually like giving him a chance to to build on what they've done I think like with with the players that you see at at Leverkusen um, in terms of and especially those who have, who have come through this year, Patrick Schick has obviously been a huge contributor, but, uh, Musa Diaby as well, like adding some end product to what was, he was already an extremely exciting player. Now he's, you know, adding those goals and assists. Um, and we even saw the, the young Brazilian Paulinho was starting to make more of an impact in the squad. So, There's a lot of really exciting pieces uh, in this team, and I think the fact that this group has now largely been together for two full years, I think there's something really – they could put something really special together. Um, So I don't think your Leverkusen shout is that crazy. I will add –
1: Hopefully they get Florian Vietz back from his So Yeah. That could be a game-changer. We'll have to see – how he is yeah i hope it's not like career defining
0: no hopefully not that would be that would be so devastating um the one team that i will shout out and this definitely won't be popular in germany anyways you know or 90 percent of germany but rb leipzig i think yeah have a chance although dortmund have done a little bit of a little bit of madness in the Holland the Holland money went straight to the RB organization and they snagged Kareem Adayemi out from underneath Red Bull. So um true. Good bit of business in that, you know, obviously I think Adayemi was one of the hot commodities like in as far as young attackers in in Europe. Um but there's also a little bit of like zero sum game going on where it's like, well, if he's likely gonna go, you know, especially if an if Nkunku were to leave, he's kind of like the heir apparent to Christopher Nkunku, Nkunku, so Yeah. There's a little bit of gamesmanship maybe going on from Dortmund as well, where it's like not only does he totally fit the profile of a Dortmund player, but it also keeps Leipzig from having him
1: <laughs> right they'll just have to dig deep into the Red Bull system to see what they can find I guess,
0: <laughs> and yeah, they'll find that... the next yeah the next the next man up but um <laughs> but no I like the Leverkusen shout and I, I will say you know I think we we obviously with the with the way the the title race in the Bundesliga played out we did uh we did not mention the fact that like the the race for top four ended up being quite exciting and a little bit disappointing in the end for freiburg um in that they miss out on champions league relatively late like final day really um is when they they you know confirm missing out at the exp you know rb leipzig taking that spot and then a few days later in the pokal final rb leipzig winning the cup out from underneath them um and that was uh yeah, it's it's been a rough couple of weeks for Freiburg fans, having flown, you know, so close to the sun.
1: Yeah, but the Freiburg are still in Europe, as are Union Berlin and Köln. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, the the Bundesliga is one of those leagues where, like, those spots are interesting. Like, fourth yeah. through eighth is, like, mat. Like, Mainz are eighth. Like, th- this is the thing about the Bundesliga, is, like, you any club can literally finish anywhere. Frankfurt yeah Europa League champions eleventh.
0: Yeah. Like, <laughs> they beat Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, handily, yeah. but they finished eleventh in the Bundesliga. So it's nuts, just nuts. Well, league one was even was even I mean, distantly less competitive um this season. You know, even compared to the Bundesliga, but um. We've seen this PSG side pip to the title before, as I mentioned with with Lille, you know, winning the title last year. Um, although I will say, you know, this season maybe maybe not one to remember in terms of title defenses, but maybe Lille fans won't care. Um, the who who can push this PSG side, um, especially given that there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty around psg at the moment like there's been all kinds of talk about pochettino and there's been all kinds of talk about different players and obviously mbappe is staying but leonardo departing as a result seemingly um and so there's a lot of uh things in flux at psg who do you think of the chasing pack uh makes things interesting in france next year
1: I really can't see anyone challenging PSG. Like, I think they'll probably walk the league again next season. They've tied down Mbappe to three more years, which like, I can't believe that's like a side note in this episode, but like, I know. <laughs> they have actually done that. They are reportedly tying down Luis Campos too, who's been the architect of some amazing legal signs. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Kicking Leonardo to the can to the to the side where he belongs. To be honest, um, so like I just don't see anyone getting close. Uh, but for the sake of of the discussion, I think maybe if Monaco can reinvest the Chuamani money, money well, then they've got a show I think Philippe Clement is. They ended the season really well. They're a muddied club, you know. I think second or third in the wage bill, hierarchy. Uh they've won the league not that long ago. They have a lot of good players. Um, and, and uh I think that that is maybe the club that'll get close closest, the Monégasques, but uh yeah, I think it's still PSG's league to lose.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. I I yeah, Marseille is an interesting an interesting one they runners up uh the which is probably
1: reason i didn't pick marseilles because they will be in the champions league next season they might be a little preoccupied with that that is
0: it is going to be a distraction for sure um i i'm really fascinated to see what they actually try to do this summer um a couple of their like most influential players for better or worse uh Gendouzi and uh and william saliba on loan technically um yeah and so there is a little bit of work to be done like saliba reportedly wants to stay in marseille but there's no option to buy and and yeah Gendouzi might be a little bit easier to work out in terms of like i don't think arsenal necessarily think of him as having a future uh yeah. in in london but Saliba was certainly one where it's, like, this is a developmental move because otherwise an option to buy would have been in there. And if he reportedly does want to stay, like, and, you know, with Champions League football being guaranteed in Marseille, like, it'll be interesting to see, like, how that actually goes down. Like, does he tell Arsenal that, hey, I just need another year? Or is this, like him wanting out like what's the what's the vibe I think
1: I think he will come back to Arsenal I think I think Mikel Arteta has made that very clear that he needs to come back and there will be uh, a place for him to fight for not necessarily to start right off the bat but definitely to fight for and and the I think the loans have done him exactly what Arsenal intended I mean people yeah. really Criticized it a lot, and I do think that at some points it was handled really oddly in terms of like administratively, um, just trying to get things together to put William on loan. But I think that it's done exactly what it's supposed to. He's become a French international in his time at Marseille, he's really upped his game, won League on Young Player of the Year, uh, and helped Marseille, of course, qualify for the Champions League. I will say it seems like, I don't know, I've read a couple different sources that say he was misquoted about wanting to stay. It was, uh, like, people trying to get him to say that, and he's like, well, I mean, obviously people want to play in the Champions League, but, you know, we'll see type of thing, and people took that to mean, like, he wants to stay type thing. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think Arsenal are in a very good position in terms of, like, not they're not being a buy option, but uh, Gendouzi probably is... Uh, gonna stay at marseille i think i think he's his time at arsenal is is done but uh yeah we'll we'll see i think marseille if they can like crack on from here that that would be great um in terms of bringing in more talents and because we liked their their squad building last summer so we'll see what they do yeah this time around
0: um well with all with all that um and rounding out sort of our season our season review or or looking at some of some of the big uh big happenings in the league uh harry at ram on twitter asks uh who is the hardcore football team of the year and he's he threw in a caveat that it cannot be liverpool since we know that would be the answer from the boss aka phil and (laughs) match of the year so i'm really curious what uh like who do you think was was the the team of the year like of 2021 22
1: yeah so i took this to mean like team of the year as in like one team not like us pick a player
0: in every position no yeah. yeah yeah so um Screw it.
1: I'm going to be biased. It's Real Betis. (laughs) Copa (laughs) del Rey champions. Um, I said earlier in the show that if you want to watch boring-ass football, watch La Liga. Asterisk that because Real Betis are the ones bringing the entertainment and the flair in La Liga. Like, if you want to watch Spanish football but you cannot be arsed with these no-no draws, I understand. But that's not what you're going to get when you watch Real Betis. Manuel Pellegrini has been a revelation. Like i've doubted him at times because his his squad rotation is so frequent that it really would piss me off but like <laughs> he gets it right like we've you know betty's have won a, a trophy and that is huge um for a club like them who are often are overshadowed by Sevilla uh in terms of trophies recently um and, and betty's have spent time in the second division uh, in the last 20 years so um, I think that they were the great entertainers in La Liga and Manuel Pellegrini is showing that he still got it. Um, and they've built the squad pretty pretty soundly, I think, and I think they'll look to crack on from there. So, yeah, I'm biased. I say it's Real Betis. It, really, the, like, correct answer is probably Villarreal because of what they did in the Champions League, but I, I'm not going there. Like, <laughs> everyone else can, can praise Villarreal. I'm so tired of it. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I so I have a hard time answering this one with the caveat because I do think in terms of if there's a team that they've literally competed in every possible game like it yeah. is it is probably Liverpool but if I have to venture outside that I think I honestly think and this is a very like vibes pick this is not this is based off of like one result but um but I think it might be Eintracht only okay. because like in that run to the to the europa league it wasn't just the manner in which they did it in which they didn't lose a single they didn't lose a single game in the europa league which is crazy like they played barcelona <laughs> they didn't <laughs> like they didn't lose a game um, they didn't
1: shit house either at the camp no, they dominated them no
0: and And I think, like, the way that the fans traveled and the all-white, like, just, like, it became such a, such, like, a iconic image. Um, And the celebrations and and just, like, the way that that fan base would take over the city that they were playing in. Um, I know, like, you know, football fans in Sevilla after the final were probably, like, happy to see the back of them, like. <laughs> <laughs> the besticos and and sevistas yes uh were probably like good riddance but the <laughs> there was something about there's something like wholesome about the way that they were going about things cuz they weren't like lighting the league on fire they weren't having like this insane campaign in in you know on any other front but it there was something magical about this about this run to the uh, to the Europa League final and um yeah it was just a cool story that and it was cool in the way that it played out and i think kind of similar to betis like it, it you know where there's a lot of like good things to latch onto although betis for me a much better side in terms of like the results they got this year and they were pushing for you know potential Champions League football and all of the, all of those things but Um, and you know, a, a domestic cup win under their belts, but yeah, that just that run to the final and, and winning for Eintracht, I think, uh, I do think, you know, even unbiased, I do think the team of the season is probably Liverpool if we're, if we're talking purely like performance, but, um, but in terms of, of, you know, just good vibes, uh Eintracht seem to be seem to be that team this year and i think Betis Betis is similar so if you're if you're unaligned uh particularly in spanish football <laughs> i will put a vote in for Betis as well because because of you i watched more Betis this year and they are in they are a super entertaining team to watch and um they've really come into their own now um
1: yeah. What and match of the yeah the year
0: this was tough.
1: Oh, there's like literally thousands to choose from. I know.
0: <laughs> it's there I mean Liverpool ones jumped to mind, I guess. Like there's a couple of there's a couple of games where I was like, man, that was just a really, really good game of football. And I think it's it's probably super cliche to say this, but I would say Liverpool City two two at Anfield was probably like in terms of the yeah. level and just like the intensity and the stakes and all of that, like, and for it to just end, you know, in a draw, like both teams just like bloodied, you know, co- like a very, and maybe one of the best goals I've ever seen in a game like that by Mo Salah, uh, uh, his mazy run off the right wing where he takes like four city players out of the game and then cuts it back and and scores with his weaker foot. and um that game in terms of just like heavyweight bouts that that game really stands out to me i have i have another in terms of like the chaos factor but i'm curious what you what what matches come to mind
1: the 2-2 city liverpool was absolutely spellbinding like it was incredible like I, i almost didn't watch it because i was like nah, they're just gonna cancel each other out and actually like they did but like in the best way yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was it was a fabulous game yeah that was the first one that came to my mind as as maybe cliche as it is but what was your vibes pick I mean I'm curious oh I
0: mean and this is a high stakes pick too and maybe it maybe it's a good segue into what we'll talk about next but I think in terms of just pure madness of something happening I think it has to be the second leg of Madrid City in the Champions League because (laughs) That is, I don't know that there's, you know, I've seen comebacks. I've seen, like, Istanbul, like, whatever. Like, there's all these magical things. I've never seen a team enter the 90th minute down, like, needing two goals and getting two goals. Like, that's insane. (laughs) Right. Having not created anything. Yeah. Like, they hadn't really done anything of note up until that point, and their first two shots on target come in stoppage time, and they go to a Champions League final as a result.
1: Yeah, madness. And the goals that were scored, like the Benzema, Panenka, it was like, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> the audacity. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's a good shout.
0: So... There that, that's such a tough one though, because I know that we're glossing over. I'd actually be like, if you're listening to this, please tell us like your favorite match or the most, like, yeah. you know, the best match of the season, because I guarantee you, there are a bunch of people like screaming at their <laughs> radio slash phone slash whatever saying like, no, it's this game. <laughs> like from For your sure. perspective. So definitely, uh, definitely let us know, um, at, H- at hxc football like what your favorite match of the year was um and uh because i'd love to just hear and be reminded of of all of the great football that we've had the pleasure of watching this year um well mika we have the small matter of a champions league final to talk about so i think we'll take a quick break and then uh come back champions league final and then round this thing out cool Welcome back to hardcore football. It's Champions League final week. Um and for me it feels like finals week because man, I'm I'm stressed.
1: <laughs> Pulling all nighters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like I I feel like I I need to it's um the build up to this final. Luckily it's not as bad as it would typically be because I think the, you know, the premier league only ending a week ago has taken some of the pressure off of this game, just because I had something else to focus on in the meantime. Um, whereas like if Liverpool had had nothing to play for on the final day, I would have already been thinking about this game. Um, but it is Liverpool, Real Madrid at the Parc des Princes in, well, Everybody's making the distinction for whatever reason now that it's in Saint-Denis and not it's Paris. and not I mean, Paris. it is
1: Saint-Denis, but
0: it's, <laughs> it's just like... Thierry, Thierry Henry was like very vocal about it on CBS, and now every pundit like says Saint-Denis <laughs> instead of like, man, this man wields unbelievable French power. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's gotten... He, he has every Englishman just... Shaken to the shaken to their core like he's <laughs> William the Conqueror or some shit <laughs> oh my goodness um but Liverpool Real Madrid it is it's a rematch of the 2018 final it's uh a rematch actually of the 1981 final that took place in the Parc des Princes as well uh Liverpool winning on that occasion um
1: oh, it's, it's the you're saying Parc de France is the Stade de France. Wait, Parc de France is PSG's. Uh, is it not
0: in the Parc de France?
1: No, it's in the Stade de France, which is in Saint-Denis. The Parc de France is in Paris.
0: Oh, it is in Paris. Okay, so it's in yeah, the yeah. Stade de France. Oh, well, yeah, it's
1: in it's in it's in uh the French like national. national.
0: D- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, why did yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. it I thought it was in the Parc de France. So that's my bad. Anyways,
1: <laughs> you're like whatever. <laughs>
0: No, oh. actually,
1: I don't know that the Parc de France can host the Champions League. I don't know that it's big enough. But, uh, I don't know. But, yes, no, I mean, they sound the same. Like, ha, ha, ha. French Uh-oh. people, don't cancel me. I'm kidding. I love your country. Studied abroad there. But, uh. Yeah, start to false.
0: But yeah, a lot of a lot of potential narratives around this one given the history in the competition for both teams, given the recent history um of that 2018 final, obviously it, you mentioned earlier in the episode maybe some of the the revenge that is like on on the mind at least of Mosala um, but probably of a decent chunk of this Liverpool squad, which was present at that final in, in Kiev um, actually um, oddly enough, but uh, the, I guess I'm curious, like from the neutrals perspective, obviously, you know, the champions league final is always an occasion, but how are you, how are you looking forward to this match? And how, how are you viewing this matchup between, you know, a liverpool side that's that's been consistent and and got a couple trophies under the belt have yeah. uh you know narrowly missed out on the league whatever um but have won a lot um and a real madrid side that you know are maybe a little bit lucky to be here <laughs> in this particular <laughs> competition but also la liga you know won la liga quite comfortably um and have tons and tons of experience winning this competition um especially in you know in recent history obviously organizational memory being something else but um but yeah what do you make of this of this matchup and um what should what should we be looking out for
1: my goodness it's a it's a heritage final for sure like as, as far as the european cup is concerned Real Madrid going for their 14th European Cup uh, and Liverpool going for, what, number 7? Yeah. So, I mean, they they just have both of these clubs just have so much history, recent and and older, in this competition. And um, I'm happy that it's two clubs from two different leagues. Um, I'm just not a fan of Chelsea City and even Liverpool Spurs. Like, uh, just get out of here with that like <laughs> I wasn't
0: a fan like I I would have much preferred to play Ajax in that final <laughs> to be fair definitely
1: definitely yeah it's it's I mean I'm sure you're fine with how it came out but like the uh... oh
0: I'm so glad it's not city to be honest <laughs> I'm really and that's not that's not a oh like I think yo Madrid will be easy pickings by extension it's just just don't want
1: to deal with that
0: yeah, yeah the when well, the pressure of like if they win the league and then they beat you in the champions league final, it's like a double whammy of like, they've gotten one over you. And the pressure is just like even more immense where it's like, this feels a little bit more. It's
1: more like distance. Like Real Madrid could just like go back to Spain and like, y'all go back to England. And yeah, they're not up the road.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It feels, there's a little less like at stake, I, I think. And you know, there's something to like, if Madrid win their 14th, then it's you know, it's like hey yeah. shit happens if city yeah. beat you to win there first that feels more significant that's
1: true that's true
0: so yeah, no for point. what it's worth
1: yeah i mean i'm happy it's two teams from two different, different leagues and and i'm just looking forward to the level because i think both of these these teams are i mean liverpool for me are the better football team they have the better players generally speaking, but there's just something about Real Madrid, like again, I was steadfast in picking them to go through against City, and and so it was, even when it looked like it probably shouldn't have been Um, because they just are able to will victory and literally snatch it from the jaws of defeat, Uh, and and Karim Benzema is in like, just sparkling form like the guys like what 36 or something like he's not like a spring chicken by any means but no. like he is moving like a young man and like just scoring goals for fun wearing the captain's armband uh and just in just scintillating form so uh but same thing with like Mosala and Stadio Mane and Luis Diaz and Diogo Jota and like all these players are just they're just so 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 much talent uh, that can potentially take the pitch in in Paris on Saturday. And I'm I'm excited for it as a neutral. I'm glad that I don't have any vested interest in it and I can just enjoy it. I do hope it is a good spectacle. I don't want it to go to penalties. Like, I think that that would be awful. Um, uh, and actually, the last time that the Champions League went to penalties was... Was it Atletico en Real? And it was actually... I was watching the game in Paris actually not that I think about it oh, and wow. Antoine Griezmann missed the penalty and that entire bar was like dead silent. <laughs> 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 but uh so hopefully that doesn't happen again but yeah no I'm looking forward to it but uh you you've already said you're ball of nerves and I I had a question because I have not been keeping up with it to the extent that you have but Yeah. What is the Liverpool injury situation? Because we know Thiago Alcantara is has struggled. We know Fabinho kinda of went down injured as well recently. What does that look like?
0: Yeah, so um it does look like based on based on the comments in Klopp's presser yesterday. I think it was yesterday or this morning. One of one of the two. I don't know. It could have been this morning. Um <laughs> He talked specifically about the fact, well, Fabinho is back in full training um, ahead of this one. So I think that's that's really good news uh, for Liverpool because certainly the sort of player that you associate with a big game like Madrid, especially with the people they have in midfield, um, yeah. Fabinho feels pretty vital to to making sure that they're not able to influence the game maybe as much as as much as they would want to plus benzema likes to drop into space and make himself available uh you know before he makes those forward runs he he does like to link up play and and all that so you know fabinho not a bad person to kind of sit in in those spaces and and try to keep him from being as influential um, Tiago was a big concern because on the final day he just kind of like walks off the field and everybody's like, What the fuck just happened? Um, because <laughs> there was no real indication, you know, he didn't like go down and it wasn't this significant, like long thing. He just kind of was like, I'm I'm done, I like and walked off. And even Klopp seemed a little confused. Well, the good news is that it does seem like Tiago is also back in training. Um, he did like a individual session um yesterday and then is now as of this afternoon was like training with the team again so it seems like he'll be available I don't know whether he'll start but it does seem like he'll be available and I think if I was if I was really pressed on it I don't know that Keita Henderson Fabinho is is a bad shout to start against Madrid I would love Tiago to be in there obviously but I think I think like Henderson for sure in terms of just like the amount of space that he covers um and the support that he gives to the fullbacks because I think that's an area where Madrid are going to try to really with vinicius and rodrigo like whoever's in there i think they're going to really try to exploit those areas in behind the fullbacks um and so the whoever is in there is going to need to be willing to do a lot of running and track back behind the behind the fullbacks so um but yeah so it seems like good news and sala is basically like He's back, and I don't think there's any concerns because, obviously, he came off in the uh, FA Cup final, but he plays... I forgot about that, yeah. He came on, um, you know, on the final day against Wolves and and scored and now is uh, seemingly back fully. And he... It was so funny because it seemed like, you know, Liverpool's press officer or whatever had definitely done some coaching in terms of... uh, the other players trying to downplay like moe's revenge comments of like oh i can certainly like see how he feels that way but you know for us it's just a you know it's just another game and we want to go out there and be professional and like you know and and it's a huge occasion and we don't want to let it get to us type thing but every time that they asked Mo about it he was like yes it is revenge like i like I see it as yeah he's like said. he didn't qualify his statements at all <laughs> he was like so it's just really funny because it was like everybody else is trying to downplay it but he just said what it is and um yeah I think I don't I think it would take it would take something as significant as the Ramos you know uh the that Ramos moment to keep him from playing in this game
1: yeah, well, yeah, at least Ramos isn't involved in this one this time. Yeah. Um I don't know that there's anyone nearly as cynical in this Real Madrid side as him. So True. Um they've I think evolved past that, I guess. <laughs> um but I mean on the on the Madrid side of things like Karim Benzema, 15 goals in the Champions League. Yeah. Not 70 I mean, two assists as well, like just far and away the best player in the competition this season like you think he explodes in the final as well too like how do how is how are we meant to deal with this man like how is anyone meant to deal with this man
0: i it's a great question because i mean the guy across across all competitions this year he had 59 goal contributions 44 goals and 15 assists in 45 appearances so and i think like the thing that's and, infuriating and to
1: la liga cuz let's we have to say of the two they are a champion unfortunately for liverpool they are like, yeah they are they are spanish champions so yeah
0: yeah and and 27 goals in la liga and 12 assists so i mean he truly is so much of what makes this attack what it is um the thing the thing that gives me the thing that gives me hope about Kareem Benzema is that a big weakness of Liverpool in recent, in in recent years, uh, you know, and I'm thinking pre Van Dijk and maybe even, maybe even just a Lovren era uh, Liverpool is they really struggled with these sort of like big center forwards. Like they would constantly be conceding goals to the likes of, you know, Lukaku, Harry Kane, uh Karim Benzema. Yeah, name name your talismanic striker and they seem to get the better of Liverpool's defense. And I don't think that's really been the case with this Liverpool side. Like they they obviously I'm not saying that they don't concede goals because they do. But they haven't been one to get bossed by that like main man striker. Um, and I think obviously, you know, when you have the likes of, of Van Dyke, Matip and, and Kanate as, as like the choices in central defense, I do think it makes up for that and maybe makes it less of a route, um, less of a route to go. I think the concern is Benzema seems to pop up, pop up with goals, even when he's not in the game, like he's not really involved and he just scores anyways. Um, like, half the time he scores and you're like, I don't think he's touched the ball in half an hour. And now the ball's in the back of the net, like, via his touch, but I don't know how it got there. Like, I, he, you know, yeah. I don't know. It it just, he seems to pop up out of nowhere. Um, And even that first goal against City that they got back, where he just kind of, like, he just kind of swings his left foot in the air and it happens to connect with the ball and not only connect with the ball, but connect with the ball in such a way where it's spinning away from Ederson, but not spinning away so much that it doesn't go in off the inside of the post. And it's just like one of those things where you're like, man, if it's anybody else that spins wide and it's just a harmless, nothing like half hearted (laughs) half chance and yeah. he's just that guy where everything he touches seems to go in the back of the net. So I think the only way that Liverpool can truly deal with it is one, obviously they're gonna have to mark him like out of the game, essentially. Like they're gonna have to make sure that they're tight to him all the time. Um but I think the battle really starts in midfield because if the likes of Modric or Kroos are are finding those balls into into Benzema's feet or you know uh or if the wide players are able to whip in crosses that reach him um that's a recipe for disaster so it's really like stop the like the simple stuff but it's just stop the balls into him like you really have to stop it at the source and so I think it really, I think it really is, you know, uh, beholden on the on the midfield and the fullbacks to defend well and and keep it from being an issue. And maybe first and foremost, just having a lot of the ball. Like I think, yeah. I think if Liverpool can hold on to the ball, like Madrid. Don't get me wrong; they'd like to play on the break. I think in in a lot of ways, but they, if you can starve, if you can starve them of the ball um then you give yourself a better chance and i don't know maybe liverpool's best chance in this is just doing what city couldn't which is putting away the chances that take madrid out of the game anyways because yeah yeah i think at a certain point you just have to when you look at the way that city played against them and chelsea too like to to be totally fair i think like if either of those teams had taken the chances that came their way we wouldn't be talking about Madrid in the in the final, so I don't know. There's a level of I guess everybody's got their part to play, which seems so stupid to say about a football match that you know involves twenty two <laughs> players. Because duh, but um, no, but no, I, point taken. Yeah, I think I think it really does. It really does have you know everybody's got their got their role, and for Benzema specifically, I think the only way to stop him is to starve him of of touches like he just can't yeah. touch the ball because when he does it goes in the back of the net
1: well and i mean unfortunately for liverpool that that's not their only weapon vinicius has also been incredible and oh Robico for sure has even started scoring goals recently too so i mean there's just so much yeah that that real madrid are gonna ask of liverpool and liverpool have, of madrid as well because uh, you know as we know they they're not impermeable, uh, but they do have Courtois there, and and I mean, there's just like the best players in their position, like Allison and Courtois right now. It's gonna be yeah, uh, fascinating from that perspective as well. Um, yeah, it's 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 a different test too for Liverpool because I think that to be fair, I think Madrid have had the harder path to the final. Yeah, um, you know, going going through PSG, Chelsea. Um, and city of course. And then I think Liverpool went through inter Benfica and, and Villarreal. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not that those, those teams are chumps or anything, yeah. but like, there's just different questions being asked at you know, a different level. Yeah. Um, but,
0: uh, they had yeah. maybe, maybe the group stage a little bit harder for, for, Liber- yeah. they kind of <laughs> like paid their dues up front almost where they played, the you know, Atleti <laughs> sure. Letty, AC Milan, uh uh Porto in the group stage and then um and then got a little bit easier route whereas you know um Madrid got to play uh you know Sharif and
1: right yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is
0: insane like the the, yeah this this team in the final lost to a team from Moldova but that's you know from Transnistria but (laughs) anyways that
1: was this year oh my god yeah (laughs) um yeah that's crazy but look like the other like narrative that's been swirling is is it a disaster or is it a failure if liverpool lose this final and therefore come away this season with an FA Cup and an EFL Cup
0: i it's it is an interesting question i think like i think the short answer is no because really major finals are in so many ways like total crap shoots i mean you even look at the two trophies that liverpool have won up to this point you know both on penalties and you know one is uh, you know goalkeeper it like the penalties went to goalkeepers and it's you know Kelleher keeps his nerve and and keppa misses and then um you know, in this latest, in this latest shootout, it was, you know, Azpilicueta, but then Mane misses, but then, yeah. Um, The, the crazy thing about finals is that I think all you can really ask of a team is that they make it to the final. And then what happens in the final, there's a lot of things that happen in one game that, can make or break. I mean, you need only look as far as the previous final between these two teams in this competition for, you know, and I say this from a biased perspective, and I want to acknowledge that, but if you watch, if you went back and watched the opening, you know, 27 minutes or whatever it was until Salah gets hurt, Liverpool were absolutely destroying Madrid. Like, they were playing them off the park, and they had, I think they had already scored like an offside goal. It was like matter of time. Like they were totally all over Madrid and then something crazy, you know, this freak sort of thing happens. Sala goes off and the game totally changed. And, and then obviously the stuff with Carrius as well. So like, so there's so many things that can happen in one game that you can't really judge a team's like whole performance in a season off of like the crazy instances that happen in one game, I think this Liverpool team has given, and I say this, you know, from a fan's perspective. So I, you know, take this for what it's worth, but this team has given us all that it could have possibly given us. We have, we have been able to, you know, pull for Liverpool and like root for Liverpool, and they've been able to compete for. Every honor that was available to them, and they took it to the final game in every competition. Um yep. So, you know, if they if it if it doesn't happen on Saturday, will it be massively disappointing? Like a hundred percent. Making it to a Champions League final and losing is is awful. Like there's no, you know, there's no two ways about it. I think the only thing that will be disappointing from a Liverpool perspective more broadly will be that this team will feel hard done by not having like a big big honor to to you know put their name against because the FA Cup and and League Cup are you know big competitions in their own right but not certainly not on the level of of the Premier League or the Champions League um and so I think that will be the only disappointment will be that a team that has given us like so much and given everything they possibly can in terms of reaching three finals and taking the premier league to the final day if they walk away from the season without a major without a major honor i think it'll just be it'll be disappointing like on their behalf because they deserve it like i think that's really the only you know my only thought and you know madrid they won la liga so let's just can we just you guys just let us have this one like <laughs> You got La Liga, you know, you get yeah. you got it back, so let's just you know, let's just Yeah. Everybody walks away happy. We still get the, you know, Carlo with the cigar at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the season and we get to, you know, open top bus parade with Klopp and you know, everybody's happy.
1: <laughs> I don't know that the Phil. Feel- yeah, look, no? I think you make a lot of <laughs> I think you make a lot of salient points and, and- As a neutral, I think the way I see it is like, okay, any club, most clubs, the vast majority of clubs on earth would be absolutely over the moon to win a domestic double the way that Liverpool already have. Yeah. Right? Two cups. um, That's, I mean, that's more than many will ever even sniff in their lifetimes. I think what would be, I hesitate to say a disaster, but I think it would be like a major disappointment is to not get one of the two major major honors over the line because of how good this liverpool side is you know one of the best teams if not the best team in europe um like pound for pound sure so that's kind of where i see it is like to all to not win the premier league and then not win the champions league is like okay so you've gotten the lesser of like the two which is it's still like it's such a ridiculous thing to say almost like (laughs) you still won two trophies like what the hell yeah um but i think in that sense because of how the level that this team is on to not get one of those two major prizes would be like i think the players would be like sick you know about it because like you said they've they've literally played every game possible this season gone as far as they can go in every single competition which is insane um and so i guess that's i can see why like this narrative has come up because it's like yeah that would be like going from the quadruple to you know like quadruples on to like not (laughs) (laughs) that would be massively deflating yeah um but at the at the end of the day too like if you look at klopp's entire body of work like he's won everything at least once yeah so you know um I guess that's where you that's where you if you're a Liverpool fan I guess that's what you have to look on is like look at everything that he's done like yeah it's been amazing um with but yeah
0: with the with this game and and the way that it's the way it's kind of shaping up um there is a little bit of a discussion and and I'm interested from a neutral's point of view yeah. there is a little discussion of the Ballon d'Or because okay it looks like Kareem Benzema in terms of just if you you know sheer numbers Kareem Benzema you know in the conversation Mo Salah certainly like from the start of the year that he had uh and even I mean through the end of the year being the you know most goals most assists in the Premier League one player that is entering the picture based on honors won and obviously like goals scored across, across these like different competitions, Sadio Mane could end the year as a, you know, a treble winner, like with Liverpool champ, you know, continental trophy in, in Europe and having won the, uh, AFCON with, with, uh, Senegal as well. So, do you think that that's like a valid conversation um if if liverpool are to win do you think that there's there's a more of a debate there or is it still benzema's to to lose
1: no i i mean i i i see why Benzema's is a favorite just because he's been absolutely astonishing and actually i aged him earlier he's 34 not 36 but um I think Mane would be a worthy winner just because of of what he's done as well this season what is it 29 goals um and and five assists obviously an African champion um and scored crucial goals in that one as well of course the domestic double as we've already talked about and if he wins the Champions League like that I think that puts it over the line doesn't it I mean geez unfortunately or fortunately i don't know if it depends on your your interpretation of this individual award but like yeah. it is about trophy team trophies to pick the best player in the world like because <laughs> um, if we were going on straight just like individual performance then it's probably between benzema and Lewandowski. if i'm being honest because yeah. Leva was absolutely astonishing once again and we're taking it for granted i think and that's Probably why he wants to leave Bayern, um, but you know that's a that's another conversation <laughs> for an entirely different like podcast probably. So no, yeah, I mean, I I think I think Sadio is is a worthy contender for this, and, and Mohamed Salah too for just the sheer numbers that he put up um, as well in in all competitions. So geez, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens, and I think it's still. Is, is the Ballon d'Or now, like, they've adjusted the calendar to where it's, like, actually a season now, and it makes sense? I know yeah, means, like, I don't think it's so. a calendar
0: year award anymore.
1: It's, like, a season award? Yeah. Yeah, okay, good, because the calendar year thing never made
0: any sense anyway, no. so... It was um, a recipe for recency bias, essentially. Like, that's the... <laughs> it's just, yeah. like, who's, the, who's good right now? Like, that's a... <laughs> right, right, right,
1: yeah, so it'll be fascinating for sure but i think we gotta do some predictions <laughs> just for fun just yeah funsies yeah so
0: um
1: I, I mean you gotta go with your boys right liverpool
0: yeah i mean and i think i think you know looking at it logically in terms of the type of like chances and and uh I mean, just sheer, like, if if you look at XG from Real Madrid's, you know, last two Champions League ties, essentially, or last three, like, yeah. I think PSG, uh, Chelsea, and Man City all had the edge, like, in terms of they, you know, on balance, like, maybe should have seen that tie out. And um, so I think from a sheer, like, chance creation standpoint, I think if Liverpool can like the, really it'll just be like, can they be clinical with the chances that they create? Um, and, uh, and I think given the occasion, given what's at stake, given some of the history for some of the players, I think Liverpool get it done. And, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be close. It's certainly, they're not going to, they're not going to run Madrid off or anything like that. And I think even, I won't even be comfortable unless it's like six or seven. um, <laughs> Cause this Madrid oh side God. just come out of nowhere. So, um, so yeah, Liverpool gets
1: it done in, uh, in regulation.
0: I mean, it's, it's tough cause they haven't, right? Like that's the, <laughs> they haven't done that, but, um, yeah, I think, I think in the 90 minutes, because I think they'll, I think some of those chances that they missed against, against Chelsea, they, the, you know, similar, those kind of like, early chances I think they take they take a couple and and uh and then it's a a nervy like 75 where they're (laughs) seeing out like the rest of the game yeah
1: no that's fair I mean for the sake of balance I will I'll I'll go Real Madrid and I, I think Liverpool have like inherently this um motivation uh like that's external uh, whereas Real Madrid is like, this is just what we do. We win Champions Leagues. Whereas, like, Mo Salah has been very clear, like, no, we're, like, trying to <laughs> right a wrong yeah. um, a couple years ago. And so I think that that can go, that can go, that can get you somewhere. Um, But I just, I just have a, a trouble, like, picking against Real Madrid this season because they've just managed, like you said, like the XG, they shouldn't go through but they have they've willed their way through these these games and these uh, against these elite sides these sides that are better than them city are better than them like i am comfortable saying that uh on the whole but they're they're real madrid and this is their competition and um they have that institutional knowledge institutional muscle memory if you will and so i think that madrid you know Karim Benzema in his home country probably has a bunch of family and friends in the stands like he's gonna want to show out um it's gonna be a a fabulous occasion so but yeah for the sake of balance I'll go Madrid but if Liverpool win like that that would be fabulous too like the you know I kind of do want to see Liverpool like get one of these big trophies over the line just because it's been an astonishing season but it'll be a battle for sure
0: I mean for what it's worth um Real Madrid have this will be their seventeenth, uh, European Cup slash Champions League final appearance, and wow. so of the sixteen they've played, they've won thirteen of them. Um, it's not like they've been you know, it's not like they've been to like forty finals and and won thirteen. They've you know, they've they've only lost three in their entire history. Um, wow. So. It is a tall task when you're in a, a European final against Madrid. Um Yeah. I uh I do think yeah, there's Oh, there's just a lot a lot at stake, and I'm uh gonna be sweating bullets for a couple of days until uh until the final. So um Yeah. It I it will be it will be a great occasion, though. They always it always is, although the one shout I will give uh, is to the, the Liverpool fan groups who have been um, petitioning UEFA for more tickets because um, inevitably, for whatever reason, the Champions League final, basically the allocations are um, in an 80,000-seat stadium. Um, half of the tickets went to uh, fans of either side. Um and then the other half have gone strictly to like sponsors, corporate donors, like those sorts of things. So
1: really, if half went to the sides, then really only a fourth of the whole allotment went to fans. Like holy shit!
0: Yeah, yeah, it it was like twenty thousand a piece, I think. Um, so forty thousand will be like unaligned. Um, of eighty thousand. And then 20,000 Liverpool fans, 20,000 Real Madrid fans is, like, what they... I
1: can do math. Nice.
0: But (laughs) either way, like, yeah, just... That's crazy. Whereas, and I don't want to, like, make too much of this because we're already, like, (laughs) we're already going long, but um, the Europa League final was such a cool occasion because that stadium, which already is, like just on top of the field like everybody is just like it. it's like a freaking bandbox that they're just like packed in that thing but yeah. it was exactly half of like a blue side and a white side like which was awesome and it was it was it was great it was like added to the atmosphere so much and it just like it just should be like that in a European final. Like it should be a, this giant stadium that is, you know, one end is one team all the way to the halfway line. And then like everybody, <laughs> just because um, there's a lot of people who have followed both of these teams all season who won't get tickets to this game, um, which just feels like an injustice. So, um, Fair. so yeah, anyways, um well we've come to the end uh and we have our sounds of the season playlist which i mentioned at the top of the episode and uh mika we've uh we've got a a couple more tracks to add um as we kind of we're coming towards the end of season two but um what what songs made it over the line for you into the into the playlist
1: yeah so alexis on fire have been dropping some new heat. Uh, the Canadian uh, post-hardcore band, uh, they're back, and one of their new songs is called Reverse the Curse. Um, And it's very, very good, and it just reminded me of of Mo Salah's comments leading up to this, is that he has a bone to pick with Real Madrid, and I wouldn't call it a curse necessarily because it's just that one instance, but, (laughs) um, you know, it is a wrong that he feels needs to be righted, and so this one goes out to to the Liverpool fans out there who feel the same as, as Mo Salah, I'm sure. Um, and then my other one is just, like, super, super obvious, and I just thought it was funny. His football season is over by Bring Me the Horizon. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous song with ridiculous lyrics, and the the, <laughs> the title of the song almost has nothing to do with what the song is about, but yeah. here we are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I I... When I saw the outline, I laughed um, out loud at that. I thought that was a very nice touch. Um, as we get to the end of the season, um, I uh, yeah, I I went not, a little not on nothing the
1: nothing if not corny. So.
0: That's, <laughs> well, I mean it's it's we both had a similar idea because I went on the nose um, as well so the uh the first song i added was a by a band called above this who's they've been on the on the playlist before and i think there's a bit of symmetry here because i put them as the one of the first um in like our season um or our season premiere uh but i picked one of their songs which is called there can only be one second best um (laughs) Which is a little bit of a nod to obviously Liverpool in the Premier League, um, (laughs) coming second, but also, uh, Champions League final. There's only one winner. So there's only one second best, um, and uh and we'll see who comes out on top. And then similarly to your to your most solid the most solid comments, I actually went doubly on the on the nose um, because I went to a band uh, called Casino Madrid um <laughs> and their song Fightin words um which just felt like I was like man, this is just it's it's too good. and Casino Madrid, <laughs> They are a relic of an early 2010s metalcore metalcore time, of uh, every song seemingly wanting to be like super heavy, but also there's autotune, but also there's like beats, and <laughs> it's all over the place. It's chaos, and uh, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing ahead of. The Champions League final in terms of in terms of the uh the chaotic nature of of Madrid's European fixtures, but um but yeah, so those those were my I similarly went like on the nose. So I'm glad that we had the same uh the same idea. idea. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> going corny. Um, so well, I don't think this is the last you'll hear from us this season because the Champions League final will probably have some points worth discussing. Um, hopefully, it's party time for your boy, um, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes, and I await I wait that nervously. For everyone else, um, it is like we're headed into the offseason, and we're not far away from, you know, we've got the Mbappe news, but we're not far away from some true... Transfer nonsense going on, so I'm sure we'll have. And
1: it's already starting, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
0: turn on
1: the notifications for Fabrizio, David Ornstein. Like it's that time.
0: Here yeah, L- Liverpool fans. <laughs> Liverpool fans know it as as Joyce season. Um, Joyce season. So Paul Joyce is the is the go to, but yeah. um No, we'll we'll, yeah, Liber- we'll see. The but...
1: uh, Arsenal, we we have. Uh, hornsteins so. <laughs> david david has branched out now that he's with the athletic obviously yeah. but he's still the arsenal guy to us so yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so plenty plenty still to discuss even though this the season uh the club season is coming to an end in europe but there will always be stuff to talk about so um yeah until until next time hope everyone stays well and we'll uh we'll see you then